starting to think y'all like that better than the preaching. <laughs> well, um, I know many of you have enjoyed this series. I have. And uh, we are in the last day in this series that we've called Fall Back. And in this series, you know, around fall, we start seeing changes. We start experiencing changes. We start feeling changes, right? And uh, that's been the point of this series is to take sort of the change that God has brought about naturally in this world and to look supernaturally in our lives and think about, well, what changes do I need to make? What things do I need to focus on? And so we've talked about, so far in this series, we've talked about the importance of the church you know, so many people just kind of lose the importance of the church over time, and, and God's Word tells us how important it is. We also learned about baptism and communion and how important those two things really are uh, to not only us corporately, but also individually. You know, baptism and communion are so important to us as individual Christians. We learned about the importance of worship and what worship actually is. It's great to worship with you here today. I love you. But worship exists outside of this church, you know, out there while you're living life. You know, we talked about how you can worship the Lord. And then we talked about giving and how we can have a heart to give and how God isn't necessarily interested in the amount. He's interested in your heart, right, ultimately. And then last week we talked about sharing our story. And sometimes we just get caught up in the world. We forget what we're supposed to be doing. We forget why we're here. And we fail to realize that God actually has implanted within us through his spirit a story to tell. And that's what we are supposed to be doing. Now this week is Thanksgiving, and so I have another story to tell about Bubba. Um, for those of you that don't know, Bubba is a fictional, probably a fictional, uh, Appalachian character. Okay? It just struggles living in the mountains like many of us. Okay? Uh, Bubba got a job in a local grocery store. And around Thanksgiving time, you know, it's real busy and things like that. People are buying turkeys and, and all that. And, and Bubba noticed this elderly lady over where the turkeys are, and she's getting upset. And she's getting so mad. And you know how elderly ladies get sometimes. They, they throw things. And, and so she's taking turkeys and like. And so Bubba sees, and he's, sees her and said, what's, what's wrong, ma'am? Can I help you? She says, I. I don't know what's wrong. She says, all these turkeys seem so small. Don't they get any bigger than this? And Bubba said, uh, no, ma'am. Them turkeys are dead. <laughs> Good old Bubba. We all relate to him in some way. In our final message, look, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, I want to talk to you this morning about being thankful, uh, about living a thankful life. And I think this message is really going to speak to a lot of us. Uh, we are to be thankful, and I think you know that, right? Um, we are to live lives that represent a thankful heart, especially us. Uh, when I say us, especially as Christians, we are to be thankful because when we think of what Jesus did, when we think about what God did for us, about how he loves us, man, that should change our hearts, that should change our minds to be thankful. So are you a thankful person? Everybody hear me? Are you a thankful person? Does your life reflect a thankful heart? 
And some of you might just immediately say, yes, I get that. I've met many thankful people, and you can just tell. Some of you might say, well, I know that is something I struggle with, right? And I'm in that camp, right? Just to let you know, I struggle with that. Some of you might say, well, I've never really thought about it. I'm not sure. I think we all fall into one of those three categories. But I believe it really is something that we all struggle with at different times throughout our lives. Today, uh, our main focus is going to be Luke chapter 17. If you have your Bibles with you, just turn there, please. And we're going to be looking at this encounter between Jesus and 10 lepers. And we're going to learn a lot from this encounter. We'll look at what it looks like not just to be thankful, but to really live a life of thanks before we leave today. All right, so... The Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, Uh, in this, Jesus is making his way into Jerusalem, and as he's going there, he's doing things, right? He's he's making pit stops along the way. He's seeing people, he's helping people, he's meeting needs, he's teaching, he's ministering, but he's got an overall mission to get to Jerusalem, right? He's just purposely stopping along the way and doing some things, and this is one of those things. Verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So here we see this encounter between Jesus and ten lepers and uh, leprosy. It's not really a big thing in our world today. It's still out there, right? Um... But this probably would have been uh, to us like something like cancer, right? It would have been that well-known to us. Uh, leprosy was that well-known to them. And it was an infectious disease that, that affected the skin and the nerves. And sadly, people that had leprosy were considered unclean. You got that uh, disease, you were automatically an outcast. You were to stay away from people. You are to stand at a distance. You were thrown out of normal, everyday society. Imagine that. You know, going to the doctor's office and then saying, I'm sorry, you've got leprosy. Terrible disease, but your life would be over at that point. They had to, they had to keep their distance legally. They couldn't go around people. And if they even come close, they had to announce their presence. Hello, I'm here. Uh, you know, how terrible is that? Embarrassing. Uh, many people had leprosy all of their lives, but some actually got better. Some actually got better from it. But, you know, it's one thing just to feel better or be better. It's a completely different thing to have to be declared better. A person cannot be made better unless they were declared better. Then they would be in good standing. So when, when a leper got better, In order to be declared better, he had to go before a priest, the official. And um, the priest would make him or declare him better so that he or she could go back into society again. That's the way it worked. So these guys, ten of them, they cried out to Jesus to have pity, to have mercy on them. Verse 14, when he, that's Jesus, when he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priest and as they went, they were cleansed, right? And Jesus didn't say, okay, I'll heal you, did he? Didn't even mention that. 
He, he just told them to go, show yourself to the priests. You know, last week we talked about the guy that had been born blind and Jesus hawked a loogie, right? Made some mud, uh, put it on his eye, you know, and, and rubbed, the, rubbed the dirt on the man's eye, told him to go wash. And then what happened after he washed? He could see. He was healed. And so this whole idea comes back on the table again, this whole idea of faith through obedience, you see. Faith through obedience. Um, many times we say, God, help me with this. Many times we cry out to God just like these guys did, you know. Many times we, we come into a situation where if God, I'll get my life right if you do this. And it's almost like we're trying to negotiate with God. I promise you, I have done that. I have laid in bed trying to make deals with God. God, if you will break in here, I will do this. And it doesn't work that way. You know, many times our faith is shown through obedience, and then the blessing comes. And look, I'm not going to sit up here and tell you that you start obeying, your blessing is going to come after the first time you do it. No, that's not how God works. Sometimes. But it might be a season of obedience, you know? It might be a life of obedience. It might be a week of obedience. Who knows? The point is, God cares about our obedience. And he wants us to show our faith through that. Um, these guys listened to Jesus. They obeyed him. And, and as they were going, before they got to the priest, right? As they were going, they were cleansed. They were healed from leprosy. I think about what a change for these guys. I, I looked into leprosy a little bit more than I wanted to this week. Um, but I can't tell you what a change this would have been for them to go from being diseased and filthy and dirty to clean and healed and made new in a moment. I'm not talking about spending a month in the ICU. In a moment. Wow. The guy from last week had never been able to see. I saw this thing on the news this morning, just this morning, of a kid that never, had never been able to see color. He could see, but all he saw was black and white. And he put on these new glasses, and he saw color for the first time, and you could just tell his sensory overload, and he just started bawling and crying. I can just imagine what the guy from last week felt when he was able to see for the first time. Or these guys, probably been on the side of the road for years, been rejected, outcast, feeling terrible, hopeless to a brand new life. Now look, you may be here today and you sort of feel like these guys, I don't know. Maybe you sort of feel like you're on the side. You're suffering, you're hurting, and there's no hope. You sort of feel like you've been pushed out. Maybe even from, from the religious crowds. What we learn from this, especially last week and this week together, if you call out to Jesus, he answers. If you call out to the Lord, he hears. If you ask Jesus to come, he comes. That's what we learn. He, doesn't, he does not turn anyone away, even a leper. So all ten of these guys were healed. All of them were given a new life. Here's, here's the big question. What would they do? With this new life, what would they do? Luke 17, verse 15. 
one of them, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Now, out of 10, how many came back? One. One came back. Again, like, like last week, the, the man who was born blind, who can now see, he ended up meeting Jesus at the end, didn't he? He ended up getting back together with Jesus, and what did he do? He worshipped him. He bowed down and praised him and worshipped him and thanked him. And now one of the lepers who had been healed, he came to Jesus. He praised God. He threw himself at his feet, which is, what's the New Testament word for worship? To kiss feet. He threw himself at his feet, and it says what? He thanked him. Wow. He thanked him. This man was thankful for what Jesus did for him. And he had, he had reasons to be thankful. Okay? Why, why is that? Well, the obvious is because he was healed, right? I mean, this guy was completely healed from leprosy. A brand new life. Oil of Olay skin. Right? I don't know how I know that. I saw it somewhere. I don't use it. He had reasons to be thankful, okay? He had been healed, new life, new future. But then it also says this, that he was a Samaritan, okay? And purposely kind of throws that in there. Luke throws that in there for us, and Luke is a smart guy. He is a PhD type guy. He's a doctor that writes, puts in a lot of detail for a purpose. He wants us to know that this guy is a Samaritan. All right, so get this. The guy was a leper, he was unclean. He was a Samaritan. He was unclean. What that means is if an, even if he wasn't a leper, he was still unclean. You see, Jews considered Samaritans unclean. They did not talk to each other. They did not gather together. They did not do anything together. They were enemies. Why did this guy need to be thankful? Sure, yeah, he was healed. But the, the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, approached him and ministered to him, touched him, loved him, and healed him, meant a lot. It meant a lot. What does this tell us? <laughs> if we look at that and we study that, what does that tell us? That tells us the grace of God knows no boundaries. The love of God knows no boundaries. There is no one that is off limits or outside of the grace of God. Nobody. Not even the person that you hate. You also might think that I am outside of God's grace. You personally. Oh, you don't know me, Zach. I've done too many bad things. My life's been terrible. There is no way that God would want to love me or have a relationship with me. Well, the truth is, that's not true. He does love you. He does care for you. He does care about your life. And look, he will forgive you. He will. No one is outside of God's grace and love. So one guy 
out of 10 return to give thanks to Jesus. Um, let's look at verse 17. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to praise, uh, to give praise to God except this foreigner? You see? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. First of all, I want to look at the end here. Notice what happened to the one man that returned to give thanks. Jesus said, rise and go, your faith has made you well. You know what that literally says? Your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. So look, 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 he was healed, right, already from leprosy. But because of his faith, because he returned to Jesus, he was cleansed from sin too. This guy had a good day, didn't he? (laughs) He was made well. He was made whole. He was restored in the eyes of God. What about the others? Jesus asked, what happened to them? Where did they go? How come they're not praising me? When we think about this and we think of who Jesus is, you know, these are rhetorical questions. He knew the answer, in other words. He knew exactly where they were. He knew they were not coming back. He knew what they were doing. He knew where they were going. He knew the condition of their hearts at that very moment when he asked the question. So the question is, why did he ask it? Why did he ask those things? I truly believe so that we could read it and consider this. Which leper do I represent? Which one do do I look like in my life? After all, we are all lepers. We are all sinners born separated from God. We are all born into iniquity, and if we have placed our faith in Jesus, he indeed has cleansed us from that iniquity, you see. So we do consider which leper do we represent most in this story. Am I thankful for what Jesus did for me? I I spoke a little bit about this last week. And I think if I were to ask you or if anybody were to ask you, are you thankful for what Jesus did? You would say, yes, I know that. I get that. You you would say, yes. But I think here's the thing. Many times we forget about Jesus. Right? Does it take somebody asking us to make us thankful? Is what I'm trying to say. We have this new life of forgiveness and freedom, and we sort of get used to it, I believe. We sort of get into our own rhythm, our own groove. I don't think we do this on purpose at all. It's just like something that we allow to happen over time. Imagine this situation with Jesus and the leopards. Okay, I want want us to make this really personal for all of us. Are you like the nine that left, or are you like the one that returned to give thanks? Let's make this really personal. Let's fill in the blank. If Jesus asked, where is Zach? Where would you be? Put your name in there. That's tough, isn't it? Because of what Jesus did to us and for us, we should be thankful and live a life of thanks, not just a small season of gratitude. A life of thanks. Thanks. 
And I want to finish up talking today about how we can live a life of thanks. Three ways. And uh, then we'll be finished. Three ways. We'll go through these quickly. In all of these ways, uh, honor God and show him our thanks. First, first way is praise God through prayer. Praise God through prayer. What is prayer anyway? Communicating with God, right? That's what prayer is. Talking to God. And so here's the bottom line in this. We need to communicate to God that we are thankful. This is, you might say, Zach, this is so simple. Well, how many of you did that today? Communicate to God, that's what prayer is, that you are thankful. Think about this. What do we say when somebody is nice to us? AJ, that is amazing. See, she got baptized last week and good things are happening. Great job, AJ. Thank you, right? That, when somebody gives us something, thank you. When somebody's nice to us, thank you, right? That's, AJ, that is difficult to teach kids, isn't it? Like I, I try with Noah and what do you say, Noah? And it's like, it's there, but he don't want it to come out. Thank you. Hey, it's also hard for adults, by the way. I can't stand rude people. I'm sorry, that don't mean to, I don't mean to sound rude, but (laughs) I can't stand ungrateful people, you know? Um, if, If I hold the door open for somebody and they don't say thank you, you know what I do? I say, you're welcome. <laughs> All right, yeah, so y'all have done that. All right. You're welcome. Do that next time. It messes with people. For some reason, it's hard for us to express gratitude. Why? It's, it's difficult for us to, especially... But telling God thanks and expressing our gratitude to him is what we should do and it's what God wants us to do. I love this verse. This is the Thanksgiving hallmark, put it on your fridge, uh, magnet verse, Psalm 100 verse 4. And I love the New Living Translation, all right, because we miss out when we read the other translations, I believe. We miss out on the emphasis of this verse. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. I love what this says. All right. Enter his gates. Go into his courts with what? With thanksgiving and praise. That means before you go, you're thankful. Do you understand that? Do you you get that? All right. So the feel of this, the flavor of this is uh, a king right? In the king's room, in the king's court, and his throne room, and only special people got to go in there. You didn't just go into the king's throne room. No. You better have a good reason to go into the throne room of the king. You better have a good reason and something good to say and something good to offer the king. And what do we go into the throne room with? Praise and thanksgiving. That's what we do. That's what we take. That's how we go before our king, with praise on our lips and thanksgiving in our hearts. That's what this verse means. 
the gift that we bring a sovereign king, we lay down at his feet as our own thanksgiving and our own praise. How good is that? Elsewhere in scripture, it tells us to boldly approach the throne of grace to make our requests made known to God, but before the requests are made, the thanks need to be given. Thanks needs to be given. We have so much to be thankful for, but many times we think, we take things for granted. We fail to see how much God has given to us, don't we? And so what happens is, is we spend a lot of our time asking for things when we should be offering thanks for the things we've already been given. We should be thankful for the roofs over our head, even though it might be leaking over there in the corner. We should be thankful for the ride that we have, even though it squeals and embarrasses us at a red light. We should be thankful that we have somebody to love, even though we argue four or five days a week. We should be thankful that we've got clothes to wear. We should be thankful that we've got food to eat. We should be thankful that we have a place to come together, you and me, to worship this morning in freedom. Amen? We should be thankful that we've got chairs to sit in. Wow. Um, I've read this before. I might have even told you before, but count your blessings. Make it a point to go through and list out what you're thankful for, and you'll be amazed. You'll be surprised about how much God has blessed you. I would challenge you to do this once a week. Write a list of things you're thankful for. Spend time telling God thanks for what he has given you. Here's what I know. I promise you this will happen. If you begin expressing thanks to God, it will change your life. It will. Second thing, seek God through his word. Seek God through his word. We can live a life of thanks by seeking God in his word. The one leper returned to the Lord. He sought the Lord out. Let me ask you this, folks. Where do you find God? Hey, if I were to ask you, hey, where do you you find God? What would you say? You find God in his word. And if you, if you didn't know that, that's, that's a big truth for you today. Yeah, God is, God is everywhere. I get that. But for you, personally, your heart, your soul, God is in his word and he's waiting on you there. We can show God our thanks by seeking him in his word. When was the last time you read the Bible with the sole intent on seeking God? That's the only purpose that you open your Bible up is that, God, I need you right now. I'm seeking you out. And then you begin to read. Look at uh, Proverbs 8.17. I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. How good is that? I want to encourage you to seek God in the Bible. Don't just read the Bible for memorization. That's good too. Don't just read the Bible for information. That's good too. Read the Bible to find God. Read the Bible to spend time with God. It's his word. And look, we take this for granted too. Write this down this week. Thank God for your word, for, for his word. The Bible is a gift. 
It is. It has been given to us. Many times we ask, where is God? The truth is, he's right there in his word. We just need to seek him out. We need to use the gift that he's given to us. You know, gifts that are given that don't get used, does that express thanks? All right, so somebody probably made a mystery casserole over there. All right. And let's just say, for example, hypothetically, we all stay away from the mystery casserole. Is that person going to feel like we're thankful for that? Nah. Nah. Um, we, you know, we're getting close to Christmas. We give our kids gifts, right? And there's a lot of excitement and a lot of craziness and energy that goes into the first few moments. What happens to the next day? They're like playing with something else. Does that express thanks for that gift you gave them? Um, Gideon's here. I'm going to tell a story on you, Gideon. Uh, bought Gideon a um, pair of Timberland boots a couple years ago. Nice, Timberlands. Okay. Has a warm. All right. Is Gideon thankful for those boots? <laughs> right? You get what I'm saying? So you know what? I'm going to confiscate them, and I'm going to wear them. And that's what God does. Look, that's the same way. A way to express thanks is to simply use the gift that's been given to you. God's word is there. Some of you need to get the duster and blow that thing off, right? Use it. Just by opening it and seeking God in his word is an expression of thanks from your heart to God. Use it. Third thing, honor God through your life. Honor God through your life. We can express thanks to God with this, with me, with you, with our lives. What I mean by this is how we live. After Jesus, our lives should never be the same. Never. After an encounter with Jesus, our lives should change. They should never be the same. They should be drastically different. Blind can see different. You understand? That's how different it should be. Jesus told the cleansed leper that his faith had made him well. Then he told him to rise and go. Rise and go? Where? What was he saying? Get out of here? Rise and get out of here. No, he wasn't saying that. Rise and go. Live your new life. Rise and go and be a new person. Live a different life. Go and live for me is what Jesus was saying. And Jesus said something similar to a lady who was caught in sin, caught in adultery, right? And everybody else was ready to throw stones at her except for Jesus. Jesus loved her. Jesus ministered to her. Now, after he ministered to her, he told her to rise and go and what? Sin no more. Rise and go and sin no more. <laughs> Sorry. What was he telling her? Get up. You've got a new life now. Go and live your new life. Go. 
live a different life. Um, I don't know if many of you noticed in the, in the headlines, so Kanye West, some of you, about half of you is going to know who that is. Kanye West, an entertainer, a rapper, R&B artist. I'm just going to leave it at that. Going to be nice. But, uh, you know, very popular, very rich, um, one of the most popular guys in the world right now and has been known for just, you know, just lavish lifestyles. Uh, But he committed to Christianity. He converted to Christianity, okay? And this has got all kinds of headlines. Is he serious? Is he not? Ah, Blah, 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 blah. Okay. We need to, what we need to do is say God can change anybody. Do you know that? We need to look at that person and praise the Lord for that because the name of Jesus is being used because people are tweeting the name of Jesus. Millions of people are hearing the name of Jesus for the first time and they're saying, well, if this can happen to Kanye, it can happen to me. You know? So Kanye called me last week. I'm kidding. But if he did, if he did, I would give him some advice, okay? Um, Kanye, you've got an amazing platform. Go live it for the Lord. You take your thankfulness, you use the platform that you've got, you use where you're at in life, and you live that for the Lord. And that's what we need to do, too. Wherever you're at, whatever platform you're at, whatever stage in, in life you're at, you live your life for the Lord. Colossians 3.17, look at this. I'm about ready to close, I promise. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative. Do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks through God the Father. All right, this is another one that we've misread many, many, many times. Whatever you do is a way of giving thanks. You have to see it that way. It doesn't separate the two. You give thanks through whatever you do. That's the way this this reads. That's how you give thanks, through what you do. Not just what we say, but what we do. We show that we are thankful with our lives. Why would God care about our lives? Why? He gave his son, Jesus, to die for our lives. He gave his son, Jesus, to die for your life. That's why he cares about your life. A life that is truly thankful is a life that is lived for the Lord. You get that? A thankful heart is best expressed through a godly life. Let me ask you this as we close. What needs to change in your life? What needs to change? Maybe it's a lifestyle that, that isn't terrible, but you know God's not proud of it. It doesn't honor God, right? Maybe it's that. Maybe it's a, uh, something at your job and it's just a toxic place for you, a toxic environment. How can you honor God at your workplace? 
Maybe it's friends that you've surrounded yourself with. Maybe they're not friends after all. Maybe they're not godly friends anyway. Maybe that needs to change. Maybe it's activities that you're doing all the time and God has little time in your life. Maybe it's just thinking, right? How often do you think about Jesus? How can we honor God with our lives? How can you honor God? I want you to imagine with me what God can do through somebody like Kanye West that has hundreds of thousands of people attend concerts, that has millions of people buy records and albums. Imagine what God can do through somebody like that. They, they did the same thing with Paul. It was that big of a change. You know, Paul was against Christians, against Christianity, and then he became the world's biggest Christian. And the world was changed. As a matter of fact, we are here because of Paul. I want you to imagine what God can do through you. Yes, you. You might say, Zach, I'm nobody. I'm just one person. Hey, you, you want to know how it got to Paul? Through a handful of fishermen. God can change the world through you if you will give him your life. I pray that you would do that today. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful today, and we do give you thanks for this time together. We do give you thanks for your word and just your spirit speaking to us this morning. Father, as we read the story of the ten lepers that were cleansed, we're reminded of your power over, over nature, over this world, over sickness and disease, and we're also reminded of your power over sin. Father, when we read through this, we see ourselves in this story. We can't help but find ourselves somewhere in this. And I pray that if it's with the nine that didn't return to you, I pray that today, very powerfully, very clearly, that your spirit would speak that to our hearts, that we need to return to you, to love you, to give you thanks. Father, help us to say thank you all the time. Your praise will ever be on our lips. That's the way we need to be. Help us to seek you in your word. And through that, we show thanks. You've given us your word for a reason. It's a gift. Help us to express our gratitude simply by seeking you out in it. And many times when we do that, you're there right where we are. You meet us right where we need you. Help us to see that and help us to do that. And Father, finally, help us to express our thankfulness with our lives. Your son, Jesus, laid his life on a wooden cross, took the nails that were meant for us, took the thorns, took the spit, took the whippings, took the beatings, took the verbal abuse, and was laid in a grave dead where we belonged. But through your grace, through your power, you changed everything. Now you've given us, through your son, your risen son, your mighty, powerful son, Jesus, you've given us hope, you've given us a new life. Help us to now live our new lives, the new lives that you've given us, 
not just to honor you, but to say thank you for your sacrifice. We love you and we praise you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen.